What's up, fellow Hardiners? Welcome back to the Build and Keep Fitness podcast, where you follow me, Timothy Averill, as I traverse the life of a Hardiner college student and aspiring personal trainer, constantly acquiring new knowledge and making mistakes so you can learn how to build and keep more muscle mass, more confidence, and a greater life overall. Today, in episode 47, I remembered at this time of, this, of the podcast, we are going to be talking about rebuilding your strength, rebuilding muscle mass, basically, in general, just rebuilding after a training break. Now, this is, of course, very topical to me because I have had a very long training break. And uh, if, in case you've watched other episodes on this podcast, you've heard me talk about the Jeff Nippard training, uh, like training bridge program type thing, which is free. And I will leave linked uh, because I downloaded it. And his video about principles of coming back after a training break um, is my main source of all this information. Um, I don't have everything he said in here. Because uh, I'm not just going to copy down what he said. So after my episode, please, <laughs> if you want a more in-depth explanation with some nice graphics, um, potentially some more, well, in-depth, some nice graphics to hope maybe you can understand better from him after you watch my episode, um, that video, of course, will be linked as well. He does a lot of really, really good uh, information. So he's a good channel to watch if you're looking for information on working out. Um, but anyway, let's get right into it. I'm going to go over my takeaways from the video and, in general, some information about um, coming back after a training break. So first of all, I understand that when a lot of people come back from a training break, generally speaking, when you have a training break and you're coming back from a training break, it takes, for a lot of people, it takes like a, a surge of motivation, a surge of energy. It takes... You, my point is you you get excited. You when you're coming back from a training break, you're excited, you're energized, you're motivated, and potentially you're impatient. And you want to get back to what you were doing before the training break. You want to get straight back into as fast as you can. You want to get back to lifting. You want to get back to pushing your maxes. You want to get back to getting stronger and stronger and gaining more and more muscle mass. You want to get back to exactly what you're doing. Simply put, depending depending on, of course, the training break length, that's not something that can happen right away. Now, of course, you can do it. You can get back to where you were quickly. But there's a difference between quickly and, I, I guess, over quickly. That's obviously not a word. But what I'm saying is fast is okay, but you want to do it strategically fast. Okay? Because if you do it too fast, you're going to screw yourself. <clears throat> so a big thing you want to do early on when you're creating the training program or when you're just creating the training program obviously for a client or for yourself you want to balance stimulus and recovery so stimulus obviously is the stimulus on the muscle the um well i don't really know how to explain stimulus actually now that i think about it but it's the thing that's causing your muscle to grow or causing your muscle to respond and the stimulus being the workout the exercises the tension on the muscle those are the stimuli in case you don't know what stimulus means but you want to balance stimulus and recovery because when you're off a training break your ability to recover goes down significantly depending on the length especially depending on the length of the training break if it's like a two-week training break that's really not (laughs) a big deal at all if it's like a month or two months that's more of a big deal but if you have a several month training break like me for instance your ability to recover is way down way way down from what you were doing before so don't expect it that's one of the biggest reasons you cannot expect to go back to what you were doing because you cannot recover the same just simply you cannot do it at all 
And there are four main comeback principles that Jeff Nippert outlined, and I'm going to go over each one, and then I'm going to go into more depth about each one. First comeback principle is you're going to experience essentially the same thing as newbie gains. Now, if you don't know what newbie gains is, basically, newbie gains is the, I'll call it a phenomenon, uh, where once a person starts working out, they gain muscle much, they gain muscle very quickly. And the reason for that is if they're not working out before and then they start working out, the stimulus from not working out to working out, the gap the gap of stimulus is very large. And it's the first time you're stimulating your body like that, at least for a long time. Maybe you did some working out a long time ago, but you're, stimula you're stimulating your body in a way that it's not been stimulated before in order to gain muscle. So you're going to gain muscle quick. You're going to gain muscle quick. You're going to see results fast when you're a newbie. Now, obviously, that's eventually going to taper off. And you're going to start seeing less and less gains, but of course, and that's that's called a plateau. When you start seeing less and less gains, but you can do things to bust plateaus and to um, slow the tapering off and stuff like that. But that's that's for that's a whole different topic. But that's what newbie gains is. And so after a training break, because you haven't stimulated your body in that way for a while, then you start stimulated again. You're going to experience similar thing, a similar type of response. As newbie gains especially with the longer the training break is which sounds cool but also keep in mind for the long term stopping training and I don't know if anyone think this but I just want to cut this idea at the roots before it even becomes a thing for someone just because you w will experience newbie gains again you will all or just sorry just because you will experience newbie gains again after a training break does not mean you should purposely put yourself in a training break to experience newbie gains because overall in the long term, consistency is much, much more important, and you could lose a good bit more muscle mass than you gain from the newbie gains if you were to purposely put yourself in a training break. So it's not a good idea to do that. I don't think that anyone necessarily would do that, but I, as I talked, that's an idea that I came up with, and I just wanted to cut that at the roots in case someone thought that was a good idea. It's not. Consistency is much, much more important. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Going along with the newbie gains, it is easier to gain uh, lost muscle than to gain new muscle, which is another reason why you get newbie, newbie gains. Gaining more muscle is harder, but if you've lost that muscle mass, you can regain it a little bit more easy. So that is a little bit of, I guess, spark of hope for you guys if you have had a train break and you've lost muscle mass. Just know that it is easier to gain lost muscle mass than gain new muscle mass so you will be looking at likely if you stick to it a decently quick um regain of that muscle mass now the second thing second core principle or second core comeback principle is that you should expect to have lost some strength i mean that's pretty common sense if you haven't been in the gym for uh like a month two months three months or more you're gonna lose strength that's just that makes sense that's just common sense but some people don't seem to get that so even though that makes common sense and some people might get that in their heads think about what that means applied to your training <laughs> that means you can't just go back to benching what you were benching before you can't just go back to maxing like you were earlier you're not as strong simple fact you're not as strong if you're taking a training break you're going to lose some strength you're actually going to lose some muscle mass it's a break You've taken a break from the stimulus, so your body has responded accordingly. It just makes sense, okay? So don't try and ego lift. Don't try and go back into the gym and just start lifting how you were. If you're on a training break, you have to understand you have lost some strength. So you need to plan accordingly to that, okay? 
uh, a rule that Jeff Nippard uses is called the half the time rule, uh, which basically means that if you've taken like a month break, that it could take you about two weeks to regain the strength for a month. If you're taking like a two or three month break, it could take a one to one and a half. So basically the amount of time that it will take to recover that strength is approximately half the time of the break that you took. And this starts to break break down about around, and we don't exactly know when, but Jeff never said about around six months and definitely after a year, uh, which is unfortunate for, unfortunate for me because I have now taken a break for like eight, maybe even nine months at this point. <laughs> so this is a problem. But yeah, that's that's a good rule, a good rule of thumb for you guys to understand properly how long this is going to take. Because you might have taken like a two-month break and then expect to get it back after a week. That's not going to happen, okay? It's going to take a month, approximately a month. There is, of course, individuality variations in there, but take those individual variations as slight variations and just still stick to the rule of thumb just to be safe. Okay, because you could potentially do more harm than good if you just try and sh like shoot right back into what you're doing. You could potentially harm yourself legitimately. There is injurial risk at coming back after a training break and then just going right back into what you're doing because your body's not as strong. Your body is not in the place that it was before the training break. So treat it as such, okay? Third core comeback principle is exercise selection. You want to select exercises that minimize soreness because as Jeff Nippert said, for the comeback program, or the comeback program or the bridge program, soreness is the devil. It's the worst. It's not what you want to do. Like we talked about earlier, your ability to recover, your ability to recover is decreased. Thus, your ability to resist soreness is decreased, and your ability to—I don't want to say heal. I, I suppose heal is a decent word. To heal or to recover from soreness is also decreased. Okay, so if you're sore. It's going to affect your other workouts. So you want to limit the soreness. You want to avoid it as much as possible. Okay, soreness is a decent stimulus. It can be a stimulus for muscle growth. However, for right now, it does more harm than good. Okay, because it hinders your, uh, it hinders your, um, <clears throat> hinders your recovery more than it helps your hypertrophy. There we go. So in order to do that, you want to avoid exercises that load in a highly stretched position. Uh, this includes the Romanian deadlift uh, and the walking lunges are two really good examples. Those are leg exercises, but you can substitute the Romanian deadlift for lying leg curls since the Romanian deadlift primarily, or actually not primarily, it isolation hits the hamstrings and the walking lunges. Um, you can substitute low step ups um, because walking lunges mainly hits uh, the quads as well as the glutes and hamstring and the low step ups will do both of those. So you want to look for exercises with a what's called a high stimulus to fatigue ratio. As we talked about stimulus and fatigue, not stimulus and fatigue, stimulus and recovery. So a high stimulus fatigue ratio means that it has a much higher stimulus than it does fatigue. So you basically want to look for exercises that stimulate your muscles a lot but that fatigue your muscles very little. And this includes exercises that uh, cause you to have a high mind-muscle connection. So exercises that you have to have mindful contractions but aren't really very fatiguing. You have to have mindful contractions and focus on the muscle and that will help you increase your mind-muscle connection. And increasing your mind-muscle connection itself is very important um, for coming back after a training break because simply put your mind-muscle connection is going to uh, decrease a bit after a training break. And if you don't know what my muscle connection is, it's basically, oh gosh, 
there's the lisp <laughs> it's basically um mind muscle connection is the connection between your mind and muscle um but more importantly it's something that is used in training to sorry excuse me let me explain this better increasing your mind muscle connection allows you to more controlled to have a more controlled and more mindful contraction of a muscle um which basically has been shown through research um when you're thinking about certain cues or when you're thinking about mindfully contracting the muscle at work during an exercise it increases hypertrophy so that's why mind muscle connection is important it increases hypertrophy it allows your mind and your muscle to connect more to better contract the muscle which for muscles especially like lats and glutes which um, people tend to have troubles activating with. People tend to have trouble activating these muscles a lot. Mind-muscle connection, increasing that mind-muscle connection can really, really help. So some exercises that are good as example, good examples of these are like cable exercises, such as a cable crossover, um, or a what's called a cable chest fly. Um, I, I also kind of just call that a cable crossover, but... Excuse me. But more popularly, it's a cable chest fly. Either of those exercises work because you're getting, um, you're getting to, if you're doing it properly, you're getting that elbow across the midline of your chest or at least to the midline of your chest, um, causing a peak, peak contraction in the chest. And you, you, in order to do that, you need to do a mindful contraction. So you're, and it's not really very fatiguing. Um, so you do that exercise and it's really good for the high stimulus fatigue ratio it has a high stimulus fatigue ratio um you also want to kind of introduce compound exercises a bit more gradually just because it hits more mus muscle mass more muscle groups um that is going to have a, a greater chance of causing soreness it's also just fatiguing compound exercises are much more fatiguing than isolation exercises so I would go, if you're doing a plan, I would go, depending on the actual split, maybe one to two compound exercises a session. If you're doing a full body um, split with three days a week, I would go maybe like two compound exercises a session. I, actually, no, depending on the training break, if it was a longer training break, I would start with one. If it was a relatively short training break, I would maybe do two, depending on the person. For the very first week, I would probably do one regardless. Um, of the split regardless of the situation just to test the waters and if you're fine with one then depending on the situation go for two that's fine but in general you want to introduce compound exercises more gradually and that recommendation that i was just talking about was purely my recommendation i don't want to confuse you that wasn't jeff nipper's recommendation that was just my recommendation and the fourth core comeback principle is to set your parameters right um parameters being um as jeff nipper describes rpes um, <clears throat> uh, RPEs. So RPE is the rate of perceived exertion, which is the scale of one to ten. And essentially, it's um, when you're given an RPE for an exercise, you're saying do this exercise at seven RPE. It's basically a guide for how difficult you want the exercise to be. So then you select a weight appropriate for that. For instance, if you are doing three sets of ten bench press, and they tell you an RPE of like three. You're going to select a really light weight because it's not going to be hard. If they select an RPE of like 8, they're going to select a pretty heavy weight. It's not going to be max weight, but it's going to be really, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult um, to do those three sets of 10 with that weight. That's the point of RPE. 
And you can also use RPE, of course, after the exercise to describe how hard it was during. Um, but for training, a lot of uh, personal trainers give you RPEs for the exercise so you know roughly how much exert or how hard the exertion should be for that exercise. So it's a good like guiding point. <clears throat> so the intraphase, which he classifies as one to two weeks because this whole bridge program is uh, two to four weeks. Um, the thing that I'll have linked will show you all that. Um, but anyway, the interface is going to be one to two weeks. The focus for this is you want to focus on the neural aspects of lifting. Like I talked about, the mind-muscle connection decreases, but in general, your all the connections, all the, like, I guess you could say muscle memory. It's not really muscle memory at all, so actually ignore that. But um, all the connections between like your neurons, your brain, your nervous system, uh, your mind, all of that to your muscles, to your skeletal, to your skeletal muscle, to your skeletal system, all of that's it's a little bit decreased, uh, decrease isn't the best word, but it's a bit decreased since you've taken a training break. So you want to rebuild that up. You want to build back the neural aspects of lifting because those have gone down. And like I said, you're going to get gains anyway because it's because the newbie gains. Excuse me. So going right back into lifting heavy isn't going to do anything for newbie gains. In fact, it might be detrimental. You want to just rebuild the neural aspects of the lifting. So because of that, you want to have low weight. You want to focus on form, especially for compound exercises. But again, you want to do... Wait, sorry, I misread that. You want to go low weight and focus on form for compound exercises, if when you're going to do them. Um, again, don't go back to trying to bench or trying to max bench. Just do lower weight. Don't fatigue yourself too much lower weight, focus on really, really good form, training back that form, especially if you're taking a longer training break, your form is going to be broken down a lot, so really focus on the form. RPE for this first training break is going to be, at least for compound exercises, less than or equal to five, so not difficult, uh, not even really a moderate difficulty if you want de descriptions of the difficulty for each number, you can just look it up, RPE scale, but five is not difficult, okay, and you want to do five or less. Um, so Jeff Nipper says you want to have around five reps in reserve, which basically means if you're doing a bench press set, you want to be able, you want to stop at a point where you'll be able to do about five more reps after that. It's roughly where you want to stop. And you want to, uh, if you were doing one rep maxes, you want to um, go to about 50 to 60% of your old one rep max. And, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at something in my notes, and I'm not sure what that means, so I'm going to skip it. <laughs> I wrote something, and I couldn't tell what I meant, so I'm going to skip that part. Um, but anyway, for isolation exercises, you can get away with going a little bit harder on isolation exercises. They're not, there's not as much muscle mass as many muscle groups. Uh, generally, only goes across one joint, so it's not as taxing on the joints. It's not as fatiguing or anything like that so you can crank the rpe to about seven to eight for isolation exercises you want to use this strictly you want to use isolation exercises strictly for my muscle connection uh and to get a more to get a familiar familiarity oh my goodness familiarity with uh getting a pump in the gym those are the two main things you want to use isolation exercises for again familiarity with getting a pump again and also using strictly for my muscle connection <clears throat> now, in terms of volume, 
sorry. In terms of volume for this intro, intro, intro phase, my goodness, uh, you want to do about seven to ten sets per body part per week. This is in general pretty. This is a pretty low volume, um, but that's kind of the point. You want to start off with this low volume. Excuse me. And the frequency you want to do about two times per week per muscle group. You don't want to have just two sessions per week. That's very suboptimal. Very very unoptimal. Uh, but you want to work each muscle group about two times per week. Now the transition phase, which is the next one in two weeks, you want to gradually add stuff. Essentially, you want to gradually add um, potentially more volume, add maybe a couple new exercises, uh, add some more compound exercises if you didn't really include those in the last one to two weeks. Um, for the compound exercises, you can crank the RPE up to about six to seven. And for the isolation, you can crank the uh, RPE up to about eight to nine if and only if the soreness decreases and the recovery increases as shown by the last phase. So you want to pay attention to the phases of this bridge plan. The first phase you want to make sure you want to pay especially attention to your recovery, uh, your fatigue during the week, uh, during ses sessions to see if you're still fatigued from the previous session and you want to see soreness. Are you still really sore from the previous session? If you can pinpoint the reasons potentially why, that would be great, and then you can make adjustments um, for future. But if it is shown that your soreness has decreased and your recovery has increased, you can crank the isolation exercise RPE to eight to nine. And then of course you want to gradually increase volume. You don't really need to change the frequency, but you want to increase your volume as well. And that's it for today's episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any feedback question, feedback com questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, ideas, um, leave a comment on the YouTube video when this eventually goes onto YouTube, and or email me at the email in the description. Huh. I'm really yawning. I apologize for all the yawns, the stutters, the stop and goes. Um, so yeah, I apologize for that, and I appreciate you listening. Anyways, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in to next week's episode. We're going to be talking about. One of the episodes is going to be talking about the exercise selection, as in the exercises that I've selected um, as a pool of exercise to pull from for Amy's workout plan. So these are generally like my favorite exercises um, for each muscle group. And also, I want to show you the exercises that I cut out of Amy's plan and why I did that. Uh, so that's going to be a kind of cool video. Then I'm also going to be doing an overview on um, a few really important vitamins and minerals. Um, basically, I'm going to go into their functions in the body. Um, I'm going to go into their functions, uh, what deficiency looks like, um, best if taken with, but you know, mostly their functions, what the deficiency symptoms are, and then, of course, a bunch of natural sources for these vitamins. And people listening, you might not care about this, but vitamins are really, really important for the body and for lifters who are exercising a lot. They're very, very important for, for us lifters as well. Um, for hard gainers, we want hard gainers a lot of times tend to be uh, not well, I don't want to say tend to be, but unfortunately, a lot of times hard gainers, skinny guys can be malnutritioned, and malnutrients is obviously, obviously bad for lifting, but in general, it's really bad just for your health, and I want to help you guys uh, better your health as well in general. So, yeah, we're going to be going over that. I don't expect as many people to be interested, but honestly, it is kind of interesting, and I'll try and make it a quicker video. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you all have a great day, and goodbye.